0: True story. A man took his kids to the pool and he's got two little boys and they love playing around in the kiddie pool. And another parent who's sitting around and they're, they're chit-chatting and, and a parent sees his watch and asks him, hey, what time is it? And he says, well, 5.30ish. And I, I feel obligated to say, don't repeat this. But the parent said, when they heard 5.30, they said, oh my God. And then, the man's four-year-old boy hears this, perks up, pipes up, looks straight at the person who said that and said, excuse me, we don't say that. We say, oh my goodness. And the man, he said said in that moment, he wasn't sure if he was more embarrassed and kind of nervous because his four-year-old just reprimanded an adult that he didn't even know. Or if in that moment he was more proud that his four-year-old clearly took to heart the teaching that he and his wife had been, had been teaching the little boy. That you should use God's name properly. Don't misuse it. Don't use it without thinking. Don't use it flippantly. Is that what the second commandment is all about? When I was growing up, that, that's what I thought. Pretty simple. Second commandment says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold guiltless anyone who misuses his name. So, is it, is it as simple as saying goodness instead of God? Or instead of crying out an exclamation, Jesus Christ, you say something else instead to express your, your surprise? Is it staying away from four-letter words Is it not using God's name to curse people or not um, telling the truth and saying, I I swear on the Bible or I swear on God. Is that what the second commandment's really about? It is, but is that all it's about? I wish. I wish that were all it it, it would be about because it would be a whole lot easier to keep it. We're calling this week the guardian of words. And, and I, I talked about this a little earlier. The reason why God cares about our words is because our words come from our hearts. Luke 6 45 said, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words, our actions, our thoughts are inseparably linked from our hearts. In the second commandment, when it says, Don't misuse God's name, we've learned this already too, that God's name is not just God or Lord or Jesus. It's everything he is. Everything he's done, everything he's promised to do, everything he has revealed to us all through his word, that is God's name. Now, 501 years ago, Martin Luther, he wrote what what he called a treatise on good works. He said, what are good works? What's the purpose of them? What's not the purpose? And he actually went through all Ten Commandments and he says, here are the good works that you can do in order to keep these Commandments, And for the second commandment, he didn't focus so much on the negative, don't misuse God's name. He more focused on how do you use God's name properly. And he actually laid out four different ways. Four good works for us to do in order to keep the second commandment. Now, I didn't put fill in the blanks or anything in the worship guide. But if you want to, you can write these down. The first one is this. Praise God for all of his benefits. Way number one to keep this commandment. Praise God for all his benefits. And sometimes, I think you'll agree, we are really good at this. My daughter, Elena, last weekend, she had a fever on and off for four or five days in a row. And she, you could tell, she was sick or something was wrong. And then urgent care, diagnosed that the sore she had on the back of her head, in her hair, was from a tick bite that she got on vacation. And then two hours later, we had a prescription antibiotic sitting in our fridge and it cost like $3.43. And then 24 hours after that, she was pretty much back to her old self. That was an amazing benefit. And I'll tell you, we have thanked God over and over and over again that it wasn't something worse and that she's feeling back to her usual self. And that's good. And you do that too. But what about all the benefits from God that we? we just never really say thank you for. Or at least not very often. Things you might not even think of. What about the air you're breathing right now? The fact that the air conditioning works, at least partially. The fact that you have water at your fingertips to drink, to clean yourself, whenever you want. Um, The fact that, that your limbs can go like this. The internet. Do you complain about it more? or thank God for the benefits it gives you. And forgive me for yet another, a daughter example, but it's so good. Elena said to me one night this week, Daddy, what do we need hearts for? And I said, well, to to pump your blood. And she said, what do we need blood for? Isn't blood bad? Because it hurts you. Because it comes out of your skin. And I said, well, blood is what, and I'm no biologist, so forgive me, but blood is what carries all the things that your body needs. It takes it to all the different places in your body. And then it hit me. Wow. Like, I have never once in my life told my heart to beat, to pump blood. I've never said, blood, go to my right ring finger. I've never told my brain, synapses, fire. It, it just, for the most part, it works. All the time. Without even thinking about it. But I don't, I don't thank God for that all too often or, or ever. Thank God that my body even works somewhat. Never perfectly, but it works. Or for all the green outside. Here's just a subtle little way to praise God when you see something beautiful. Don't say, wow, nature is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not nature. There's nothing natural about it. If it were nature, it would be void and empty and nothingness. The only reason there's green and all the other colors is because God created it. So instead of saying nature is beautiful, say, wow, what beautiful creation. There's so many times where we don't, though. Where we don't praise God for all his benefits. If the commandment were just praise God some of the time or once in a while, well, we could do that. But praise God for all his benefits. I don't don't do it. And you're going to see this again. The commandment's not just about what you shouldn't do, but it's about what we should do. Um, Old theologians used the term sins of commission and omission. A sin of commission, you committed a sin. You did something you weren't supposed to do. A sin of omission, you omitted something something good you should have done, but you didn't. And we omit praising God for all of his benefits. Second good work is this. Guard ourselves against all worldly honor and praise. Now again, there's a part of us that likes it. Who, who doesn't kind of feel good when you say, all glory to God? Like when someone compliments you and you say, oh, to God be the glory. That's good. But we also, we crave recognition. We crave, we clamor for credit. We, we want to be seen and known, not just for who we are, but as good versions of who we are. We want to be known for being nice or kind or generous or good-looking or talented or honest or competent or, or fill in the blank. We desperately want other people to know this. And it's in all areas of our life. Whether it's people in your household, people who are your neighbors, you want them to look at your yard and think better of you because of how your yard looks. It's people in church. You want them to look at you and say, wow, she or he is really great in some way. It's in every other area of life, too. We clamor for credit. It was about 10 years ago, maybe a little more, and this guy was the senior pastor of a church, huge church in Florida, thousands and thousands of people. And they hosted a conference every year. And he was walking through their magnificent, huge worship space. And the conference was in a couple days and he noticed the cleaning team hadn't come through yet from Sunday. So there were worship folders kind of sitting in the rows of chairs. And he wasn't upset about it or anything. He knew the team would come through and clean. But in the moment, he, he wanted to, he wanted to clean up a little bit. So he started walking through the rows, picking up worship folders. And he said, it wasn't not but two minutes after he started doing that, that the thought entered his mind. Oh yeah. I'm doing a pretty good thing here. And then he said right after that, the thought came, I hope someone walks in and sees me doing this. He couldn't just do the good thing. He needed, he clamored, he craved credit for it. He wanted someone to come in and say, and these are his words, say, oh, senior, like we have people to do that. You're, you're way too important. But wow, what a wonderful, humble servant you are. And then he thought, whoops. Because even in his seeming act of humility, he clamored for credit. And when we do that, when we crave credit, what we're doing is we're robbing God of the credit. Because there's no, no credit could come to us without it going to God. And when we crave credit, we're robbing God of credit and we are misusing his name. We're stealing from him. Third good work. Call on God's name in every, every need. Now again, easy to think, I'm doing this. Because we're likely to go to God when we need help. Psalm fifty fifteen says, "Call on me in the day of trouble; I will deliver you, and you will honor me." Out of all the good works, ways to keep this commandment, one word is probably easiest. Just cry out, "Help!" That's a legitimate one word prayer. Not help as in like assist me, but help, God. I need you. Rescue me. Take me out of this. Save me from my own sin. And the psalm says when you call on God's name, when you call on God, by virtue of calling on him, you are honoring him. You are using his name correctly. Because that's what he wants you to do. He's the the all-powerful God of the universe. He wants you to call out to him. But we don't. I don't all the time. I might phone a friend before I phone God. I might go to food when life gets tough instead of going to the Father. I go to the gifts God gave instead of going to God himself. Call on God in every need. And good work number four from Luther is protect the holy name of God against all who misuse it. And I have to start by saying this. A commentator said about this, this commandment is not culture warring. Christians are never worse than when they justify their lack of love by saying, I'm just defending God's name. What the commentator meant is that protecting God's name is not throwing up your hands in frustration or exasperation or calling someone out, whether it's a person or the world in general, when you see them misusing God's name or teaching his word wrongly or rejecting his truths, or not believing it or living in a sin and not caring what God says. Protecting God's name is not simply pointing the finger, standing back and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Here's the truth. Here's what God's word says. That's part of protecting God's name. But protecting God's name is way more difficult. It's coming with truth and grace. John 1 said, Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. Oh, Jesus called people out when they were wrong. He spoke incredibly harshly to the Pharisees, probably harshly than I've ever spoken to anyone in my life, at least on purpose. He spoke truth. But he also came with grace. He showed love to people who didn't deserve any love. He shows that love to you and me, even though we don't deserve it. Protecting God's name, it's not just difficult to do with nuance, with truth and grace. It is impossible. So there's the four, the four good works. Praise God for all his benefits. Guard yourself from all earthly honor and praise. Call on him in every need and protect his name from all who misuse it. Now, I said last week that we should think of the commandments um, not as things that we can do and that we're able to do, but as things that we should do, but can't. And this week, I'll say it a little different way. The Ten Commandments, they're not a ladder. They're a wall. I wish the second commandment were as simple as not saying, OMG, or using four-letter words, or telling a lie, swearing by God's name. But it's so much more. And if you're feeling, after you've heard these four good works, like there's an insurmountable wall in front of you, between you and God, it's because there was. The commandment shows us we can't, we can't climb the ladder to get closer to God. The wall which shows us our sin keeps us from God. The bad news is that even on your best day, you're not keeping this commandment. And neither am I. But I've got to follow that right up with the good news, which is at every single point in our lives when we break this commandment, Jesus kept it. And he didn't just keep it for himself, he kept it for you. Think about times in Jesus' life. Think about the night before Jesus died. He prayed this in John 17. He said, "Father, glorify your Son, but not for my glory, that your Son may glorify you. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do." Jesus' goal with all of his life was to praise God. Even though he was God, and he is God, he didn't want to take away any of the credit from God as Father. That same night, he prayed. This Luke twenty two. He said, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done." He cried out in every need. It says he he was in anguish. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He called out the Pharisees for butchering God's word all the time. He spoke truth. He brought it hard, and when Jesus was on the cross. He said about those same people, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The foundation of Christianity is not copying every good move Jesus made, saying the good words Jesus said, having the perfect heart or striving for the perfect heart that Jesus had. No, no. The foundation of Christianity is that Jesus made every single good move. He said every good word. Not just with his mouth, but with his thoughts and his actions. He had a perfect heart. And when he died, he transferred all that perfection to you. He replaced our guilt with complete innocence. He took our punishment and instead gave us his eternal reward. He took that wall. He bust through it. So there's nothing, not now and not forever, nothing between you and God. He took doubt that God might not like you because you haven't done well enough. And he replaced it with the promise that God calls you his dear child with whom he is well pleased. Because Jesus took all his perfection and he gave it to you. And that is why. That is why we just sang, Holy God. We didn't sing, We're Afraid of You. We sang, Holy God, we praise Your name, And that's why, at the end of worship, in a couple minutes, we're going to sing, We are more than conquerors through Christ. We are defiant in his name. Every accusation, every temptation the devil lobs at you, you can be defiant in Jesus' name because of who Jesus is. Because he took away all your guilt. And he's established your identity now and forever. You can say, Devil, I don't need you. I have God. I have his name. And because of who Jesus is, because of his name, keep the second commandment. Call out to him in every need. Praise him for all his benefits, a life of continuous thanks, even about the things that you forget about. Guard yourself against all honor and praise. You don't need it, you don't need to feel good about yourself because God loves you. You don't need other people to think well of you. God thinks well of you. And protect God's name from all who misuse it with truth and grace. God bless you as you seek to do not what you can, but what you should. Not to get up the ladder to God, but because God drew near to you and me, even when we are far away from him. Amen.